Slot the hogs, tap the trees, feed the chickens, check the bees, aquaponics off the grid, solar power, feed the kids, firewood, rabbit stew, vermiculture garden. Two, that's the life on the homestead as we know it. That's the life on the homestead as we know it. On homesteadmentorradio.com. Okay, I'm doing all sorts of things backward. Um, so I was panning or turning the music up while I was turning my voice down, and I should have been doing the exact opposite, so I'm going to stay, say this all over again. Hey, welcome everyone. It's Tuesday, February 16th, 2021. You're listening to Homestead Mentor Radio, homesteadmentor.com, homesteadmentorradio.com. You're, I am your host, Doug Dillon, uh, your homestead mentor and food security uh champion okay so you know what's funny is the best of plans right um uh i came into this evening thinking i've got i've got a great show planned i've got a good organization to this and and right out of the gate i had myself muted and uh hey that's life right so we'll just keep plodding along here um a couple things of note uh, a couple plugs, actually. Um, I mentioned it last night on the show that uh, starting to make some uh, movement in the direction of a my local alternative idea. This is the kind of the call to action that I think ever since uh, the uh, the election and the the canceling of uh, people and businesses. Um, got the idea that uh, maybe what we should do is have a directory for local businesses. And uh, if you used to shop at Amazon or one of the big box retailers, that we would line up those same product sets with uh, local alternatives. And so um, moving in that direction and purchase the domain, mylocalalternative.com. And I have a... Uh, a rough draft of what the website will start to look like. Um, the this mylocalalternative.com is not itself going to be the directory. Uh, what we want to do is we want to decentralize these sorts of things, and so mylocalalternative.com um, will be the model, and it will be the gathering point where we get. Uh, bring some developers in to help produce a product uh, or, or piece of software that can be installed on, say, a, a Joomla or a WordPress site. And then uh, local administrators or collaborators can make good use of that uh, software and the model that we will build out. So if you're interested, you don't have to be a developer. You don't have to be a graphic artist, although both of those would be nice. You don't have to be a copywriter. Of course, that would be nice. Um, you have to be someone who is interested in making a difference in your community. 
And if you're interested, uh, go out to gab.com and search for the group, My Local Alternative, and join that group. And once we get enough folks in that group that are interested, I will host a conference call where we'll kick this thing off and I'll share what my thoughts are. But because this is a collaboration, um, we as a team will develop what this looks like and how it gets implemented. And uh, we as a team will recruit uh, developers and graphic artists and, and the, the technical folks that we need in order to make this thing work. Um, it is not a not-for-profit. We're not going to file a 5013C. It's just a bunch of people getting together that saw a problem and are going to try to solve it, right? So if someone else has a better mousetrap, uh, feel free to point me in that direction, and I'm happy to, to join that team or to, to lend my support to that team. Okay, so that is my local alternative. Oh, by the way, if you want to join in the show, uh, you can give us a call at 330-440-0735. Again, that's 330-440-0735. Or if you are out on homesteadmentor.com, if you click on the radio uh, menu, there should be a little uh, red button below the show graphic for tonight. And if you click that red button, then you can join the show via your computer audio. Okay, so via audio uh, on your computer, you can call in at 330-440-0735. Uh, and you could, if I go out there, you could um, log in, you could go to homesteadmentor.com and if you're using the Decenter browser, which I encourage you to use, then you could join us um, in the chat. So if you didn't want to ask your question live on air, but you had a question or a comment, then you could um, join us in chat. And I'm going there now. So I am in live chat. I'm the only one there. Um, give me one second. There, that popped out as its own little window. Cool. Okay. So now I've got the chat window open. So if you wanted to communicate via the chat window on the page, so here's how this works. If you go out to homesteadmentor.com, just stay on the homepage and you click the little, um, green D icon that's at the end of the uh, URL, um, then that launches the chat window uh, and comment window for the Decenter browser. And if you didn't know that that feature was there, it's a pretty cool feature. Any web page that you are on, you can leave comments for other Descent browser users and or if there are other people on that page at the time, you can engage in live chat. Okay. The other thing I wanted to plug is the grow models. We're, we, we got a number of requests again last night. So uh, first of all, I want to make sure that folks realize that though the uh, PDF version of this will be sent once all of the grow models are complete. And uh, so get your um, request in now. And if you follow the show, uh, on or if you follow me on gab because of the show then please message me and i would like to follow you back so um okay i think we covered all all that good stuff so 
What I wanted to talk about tonight it came from a conversation on the show last night where it just struck me, you know, the, the joy that, uh, I could, that we gardeners get in raising their own food. Um, and I, I wanted to touch on that a little bit or expand on that a little bit because there, there's, to me, there's nothing quite like it. And I have this theory <laughs> that I have a lot of theories, but one of them is, is that part of the problem that we have in our world is that we're not growing our own food. And let, you know, forget all of the nutritional arguments and how the soil's depleted and all that good stuff. And we'll get into that in a little bit because our main topic is actually soil, healthy soil. But I have this theory that part of it is, is intention. And this will sound like a really kind of, you know, flaky thought here, but stick with me. Um, when you go buy those seeds, you have intention to grow and typically it's because there's a love uh, beneath that um, the love for the activity the love for the the output um, but there's a there's a there's a certain little dose of love in there when you buy those seeds and then when you plant those seeds there's an expectation again of growth and of newness and of of green and health and vibrance and again another little dose I think of love and then when you put those transplants into the ground spring is here and and early summer is here uh, the temperatures are warming up there's there's uh, what's the word um, there's joy and there's anticipation of good things to come and again, I think you do so, I do so, with another little dose of love. Ultimately, I know at the end of this chain, my family is going to sit down and eat. But let, let's keep going there. So then you weed the garden. And the only way you get through weeding and still be sane is with a little dose of love. And then you harvest and if you're like me, you've harvested because I didn't follow my grow models. I didn't have my grow models then. But you harvest way too many of one thing and way too little of another. So you give away a lot of the excess and you do so with love. I believe that when they sit down to eat that, that they are the recipients of all those little doses of love. But then let's keep going. So then I harvest my own for my family and my wife and I, typically my wife, but sometimes me, the food then is prepared. And I believe the food is prepared with love. That whole, that whole loop is closed, right? The whole, from the very beginning of the process to the very end of the process, it was with intention and with love. And I believe that um, that love, I, you know, <laughs> sounds strange, but... Um, that the, those material things of food, when consumed, power our body. And I believe that those things, because of the intention and the love and the uh, effort put into producing them, um, gets into the bloodstream. Food is medicine. Food is our first medicine. And... I think the joy that we have in growing and 
harvesting and preparing that food makes that medicine just a little bit more potent. Uh, the last thing I wanted to say about this is um, it also forces us to be in sync, or at least to be conscious. Gardening forces you to be conscious of seasons and, and rain and sun and wind and, and all of the things that are in our world, but because we're so closed off from it in office buildings and inside our homes with devices and televisions and computers, um, we can be removed from it and not realize uh, those cycles and seasons. And I think um, one of the things it does is when, you, when you're looking for rain, and you could have irrigation systems. I don't, and I'll get into that a little bit. But uh, when you're paying attention to the seasons, you're paying attention to the weather, I think you're looking for God's grace in an ever-changing world. So every day, uh, you're, you're anticipating that grace, right? You're looking forward to that grace. So, um, okay, uh, enough on that. I'm going to transition here in a second. But one other thought I had from last night, I think I mentioned something about how, you know, I, I'm not good at many things. But one thing I think I am pretty good at is and that's model development. And, and the more I think about it, I think that is my gift. That's my superpower, even though, again, I'm not probably the best model builder. And, but that doesn't matter. It's something I'm good at, and I think it's something that I can share. And and I thought, you know, one of the reasons I think that it it manifests in gardening and in homesteading in general is because um, you have the ability to take those models and actually uh, deploy them and then get feedback and do it again. So uh, another thing in my uh, professional life is... I have my Six Sigma black belt certification. Uh, doesn't mean that I'm I'm a, a really good fighter. What it means is, uh, back in the day, General Electric, when General Electric was still a very healthy corporation, and Motorola, uh, when Motorola was a very healthy corporation, came up with a uh, business process uh, improvement. Uh, methodology and they called it Six Sigma. And the concept was is that uh, you, well, it doesn't matter what the concept was. These process improvement um, methodologies come and go. Like there's always a new one that's that's out and about. So, but I I got my certification in uh, Six Sigma. And one of the key tenets of any process improvement is continuous improvement. And gardening allows for that as well. Actually, everything about homesteading allows for that is you don't have to be perfect. You just, as I like to tell my wife, we just have to get off the ground. You have to get the plane off the ground and then, and then it flies. I mean, once a plane's in the air, it's aerodynamic. The whole, it's built to stay in the air. Um, you just have to get it off the ground. And that's true with gardening and farming. Um, and in in uh, the call we had last night, uh, and Carol had mentioned that I think it was her second year of gardening. She's off the ground. The hardest part is already done. Um, and so uh, get off the ground. Okay. Uh, transition to our main topic. But again, if you want to join the call or join the show, give me a call at 330-440-0735. 330-440-0735. Or again, you can join uh, through the Dissenter browser or in, on the chat. Or you can... Um, 
press the little red button on the Homestead Mentor Radio page and join via your computer audio. So uh, I was reading and anticipating uh, spring, and so I subscribed to a magazine called Farming Magazine. If you don't have it, uh, it's a fantastic magazine. It's a good mix of uh, practical advice, poetry, uh, good writing, just down-home good stuff. Um, It is from a publisher that is very nearby uh, me, and it just so happens that they produce a a great uh, periodical. So Farming Magazine. But anyway, I was looking at the uh, spring of last year issue uh, in preparation for today, and there was an there was an article. Interestingly enough, as I was thinking about soil, and I was going to talk about soil, the the edit the um, oh, what is it the what do you call the yeah it's just a, it's just an article anyway an article called Health is for the Living. So I'm going to do my best to kind of give you the uh, what this was all about, but put my spin on it. Um, the article is really about the fact that healthy soil is a good buzzword. But to, the, to this author, um, it, you, you would hear about healthy soil and you, you read about healthy soil, but do they really mean healthy soil? Because unless you're talking about um, the micro uh, and macro biology of the soil, and the life in the soil, then you're really not talking about healthy soil because you can't have health without something being alive. Think about that for a second. You can't have health without something being alive. And in, in a lot of what we do is we take soil that is um, very much lacking life and we use chemicals and amendments to uh, use it to fake our um, produce into growing, our vegetables into growing. Um, So that's the main emphasis of the article. One of the things I wanted to say, and I've got my notes um, out of order here, but we have here a cattle ranch. I think we finished 11 head this year, all on, on the farms. We probably have close to 40 head. And Early on, and we do grass-fed, by the way, so that's our niche. We do grass-fed beef. And early on, I realized, and it's it's a it's kind of a mantra, but you're you're not a uh, cattle rancher. You're really a grass farmer, because if you get the breed right and you get the right genetics, then if you give them great grass, they will they'll they'll do what they need to do. So we really focus our efforts on making sure that our pastures are producing uh, great grass. And some of that is the way we practice. So we do rotational grazing. We, we do management intensive grazing. So you're moving animals every day, every couple of days. You're paying attention to uh, how much uh, residue is, is in the field and whether it's time to move or not move. So you don't just move because the calendar says to move. You move because the grass says to move. Um, and it, at one point, uh, we would follow the pastures with chickens. Um, but anyway, the, those practices were, were, are intended to produce better grass, which the side effect to that is is better and more animals, more, more cattle, more beef. 
But the more I think about it, really, we are soil caregivers. So if you are in the business of producing food, and you're doing so in a clean way, and if you're raising food for your own family, then I'm hoping that you're producing it in a clean way. Um, really, what you are is a soil caregiver. If you take care of that soil, there are so many things, so many diseases, so many uh, pest pressures that disappear when you have healthy soil. And healthy soil means the micro and macro living organisms are many uh, and flourishing. Okay, so the rest of this article goes on to talk about why more people don't practice the things that you need in order to produce healthy soil. And it, in many cases, it's because it's not the way we've done it. And for 40 years, or my grandfather did it this way, and the neighbors do it this way, and that's just the way you do it. Um, and so there's a certain amount of fear of doing something different from those around you. I suspect if you're listening to the show, you don't suffer from that fear. Um, but nonetheless, it is out there, uh, and that, that, that there are some folks that uh, might not want to go this route because they are afraid of what others may think. But again, I don't think that's the case for most of us. And if it is, get over it because uh, you're, not, uh, you're not making your soil healthy by pouring chemicals onto it. Uh, another point that the author made, in fact, I'm just going to read this point because otherwise I think I'll mess it up. And the author here was Alan R. Williams, Ph.D. Again, this is from the, 2020, the spring 2020 issue of Farming Magazine. Health is for the living. And he says, If you believe in Scripture, then you know that God created man out of the earth or the soil. This inherently means that the same soil microbiome that comprises soil health is also the microbiome that comprises mankind, plants, and animals. We are all one microbiome. Therefore, if we view the whole and not the parts, we all function the same from a, micro, from a microbial standpoint. That draws the obvious conclusion that whatever we do to influence the soil microbiome, biome, we also do to ourselves and to plants and animals. If we damage, degrade, and destroy the soil microbiome, we do the same to ourselves and to our children and our grandchildren through the impact of epigenetics. So I think he said that so much better than I could. Basically, it kind of goes back to that love thing. Um, Producing our vegetables, our fruits, uh, raising our animals in healthy soil is not just good for the soil, but it's good for us and it's good for generations to come. So um, what are some of the things that we can do to create healthy soil? Well, and let me first say this. I am not a master gardener. Um, in fact, I wouldn't even call myself an expert gardener. I wouldn't call myself an exceptionally good gardener. I would say that I'm every year getting better. How's that? Um, but one of the things that I would say is use common sense. Common sense typically, when applied, works. And when, if it doesn't, then you'll, you'll get feedback that tells you it's not working, and then you listen to that feedback. So it's kind of like if a friend rebukes you, 
and you ignore that rebuke, then you might be considered a fool. But if you uh, listen, then it could be considered wisdom, right? So listen to what the uh, garden is telling you. Listen to what the animals are telling you. Listen to what the field is telling you, what the fruit tree is telling you. And apply common sense, and, and you'll probably get it right. Um, I, some of my practices, I just want to share, I don't test my soil. One of the reasons I don't test, and you'd think, you know, someone who's into modeling and science and uh, that I would test my soil. I don't. And one of the reasons I don't is um, then I would feel the need to, or I would be tempted to start amending it. And I don't want to amend the soil. What I want to do is um, feed it. So there are some things I can do to feed it, and that is making sure that there is um, micro and macro life present. So I can introduce worm castings, right? So I can spread worm castings into the soil, and I can add worms, Um and I, there's so many things about vermiculture that I think are good for um, homesteaders. And, and I'm going to talk about that in the next few days. Uh, I'm going to talk about it in more detail in the next few days. But it doesn't take a lot to keep a bin of worms. And you can take the scraps that you might be throwing away or that you're putting into the compost today and let worms do what worms were meant to do. And they will produce for you um, a fantastic quote unquote amendment. And when the numbers be, the worms become too great number, you can move some of them out into the garden area so that they can do this. Um, they can do this for you outside. They aerate the soil. They take the. They'll break down faster um, than the the leftover um, weeds and, and leaves and things from the garden faster than they would if they just laid on the ground. And uh, the the worm castings are full of microbiology, uh, so full of life. So that's one thing you can do. Again, I don't. Um, I don't apply amendments really other than that. And, and even in the, the, the case of, say, blueberries uh, and trying to adjust so that the soil is right for a particular uh, plant, um, if I can't grow it in the ground that I have there, then I either find ground where that, uh, that soil type is naturally occurring or I just don't grow it. And, you know, one can disagree with what I'm saying. And that's perfectly fair. It doesn't mean you have to do it this way. I'm just saying this is what I do. Another thing I am doing is I run chickens um, in the... I have a little chicken coop thing that that uh, is for five birds. And I can drag that thing around. And especially in the off-season, uh, the garden off-season, I am... Of course, I let them out of the little coop uh, to roam around. But they scratch and they, you know, they leave their nitrogen right there for me. Um, and so chickens are a, a good thing to add to the garden. And for the most part, once a plant is maturing, um, the chickens will leave it alone. And the little bit that they might take, uh, it's probably worth it. 
And in our grow models, we factor in losses anyway. So um, it would just mean that, that you would have that much less to feed the chickens. So, you know, I'm running out of time and I wanted to, to cover something else real quick. But anyway, think, spend some time thinking about your soil. There's things you can start doing in spring to make sure that your soil is ready. Well, and actually, one of the things you, some of the things are things you shouldn't do. Like, uh, you know, when the soil's wet, don't work it because you'll compact it. And the soil needs air, it needs oxygen, it needs oxygen because there's a lot of life down there and that life needs to breathe. And once it gets, you, you get down to the point where the soil is no longer oxygenated, then the, um, the number uh, and types of things that can live there are fewer. Okay. Um, uh, another thing I should say, full disclosure, I use wood chips. So I do the uh, back to garden method even on i have very large uh, garden plots but i have uh I, I talked with the tree guys one day and said hey drop off your your wood chips and they they did and they just kept coming and they kept coming and they kept coming so uh i've got lots of wood chips and they've aged and then i put them on the garden and then they're breaking down and they make uh for there's a number of benefits to wood chips there's a few uh, unique things you need to learn to work with but uh, wood chips is another good thing uh, for um, helping the soil to be healthy um Okay, if you have any thoughts on that, please let me know. Um, share what you do. Uh, share where you think I'm wrong. What's your advice to someone who is trying to improve their soil? Um, what are the things that you do? So let me know and, and uh, drop me a line, and I'll, I'll mention that in maybe the next episode. Speaking of next episodes, for tomorrow, which will be what, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So I think for the next three episodes, we're going to do a little series, and that series is on um, homesteading as a career. So it's probably late in the game for me. I have five children. Uh, and one just became a teenager on Valentine's Day. So I probably don't have the, the luxury to be able to make homesteading my career. But if you are 17, 18, 19, 20, in your early 20s, and homesteading is interesting, uh, or you know someone who thinks that it is interesting, uh, or you're single or just married and you don't have kids. And basically, if, if you, if you don't have, haven't established a lifestyle for 20 or 30 years and you wouldn't be impacting others that didn't necessarily want to be impacted, homesteading as a career is a viable career. And we're going to walk through the economics of that tomorrow and Thursday and Friday. So we're going to cover the whole career lifespan. I think it'll be an interesting uh, discussion. And, and please plan on, uh, joining in that discussion, um, mark it on the, your your calendar. Plan to join us live tomorrow at 9:30 Eastern. I'll go over if uh, the conversation gets started. I'm happy to go an hour. Uh, I could probably go for two, three hours once this gets started if others are engaged. So you can join us tomorrow at 330-440-0735 and or on the chat. And I will mention all those things again. Thank you for joining us. Hopefully you have a great Tuesday and a great Wednesday until we talk again tomorrow evening at 3 or 930. <laughs> Thanks for joining and we'll we'll talk tomorrow.